Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, it is Reformation Week. And by the way, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Phil, you guys really shouldn't let me and Russ be here by ourselves because we're pretty much ruining the show. <laughs> it, it's amazing. We didn't think that we could take it any further down. But we did. <laughs> but when you guys are not here, just to, you know. So we go down t- from tens of ten listeners. To ones to- of ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's right. Uh, young, youngsters like you guys should not be left alone. That's right. Well, that's we what need, we say. We need adult supervision. <laughs> <laughs> well, it mm-hmm. is Reformation Week, and we actually have everybody in the studio today. What a blessing. It's so good to see you guys. I'm glad you're here. Um, we've been talking He's about... He's just saying that because that gives him multiple more people to, to pick on and <laughs> that's make right. fun of. That's so. right. I told you, I only pick on you. I no, like these true. guys. That's right. Um, so we've been walking through why the Reformation is important. It is, of course, this Saturday, October 31st. It's the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg in 1517. <clears throat> and we've walked through the five solas. Well, actually, we've walked through four of them. Sola Scriptura, the, the Scripture is the final authority alone. Um, sola Gratia, we are saved by grace alone. Sola Fide, we are saved through faith alone. Solus Christus, we are saved in Christ alone or by Christ alone. And now the last one is Soli Deo Gloria. Now that's to the glory of God alone. So let's talk about that on the program today. Go. <laughs> well, I think I think that uh, ultimately, as you as you're describing the other solas, it's all pointing ultimately to our salvation and how we're justified before God, and before anything else is understood about the glory of God, we understand that um, He gets all the glory in our salvation. Yeah, you know, I, I have no credit in that. I have no merit in that salvation. Uh, he gets all the glory. It's by his grace, uh, through faith, an empty hand of faith, that I receive those things because of the work of Christ. And so, obviously, he gets glory in all things, but in this Reformation setting, we want to point out the fact that he's getting the glory in salvation. Yeah, and what, what always happens when the gospel is lost, um, what, what always happens when God's word falls silent and is replaced by something else in the life of the church, that that something else, whatever it is, will always glorify human beings and uh, exalt human beings and human effort. And uh, as Jonathan was saying, the Reformation, the, the recovery of the genuine biblical gospel and we don't. And by the way, let me let me preface this by saying we don't want to say the gospel was ever completely lost. It wasn't. Even in Rome, I mean, there there was obviously there was people that knew Christ. Uh, Martin Luther learned the gospel from his confessor Stalpitz, who never left the Roman Church. 
But so we don't want to say that the gospel was completely lost, but it got buried under uh, layers of human tradition that exalted human beings. Uh, and that's what we always do. We always end up doing that when the gospel falls silent, when God's word falls silent. Um, and so that's why uh, the solas are needed today uh, just as much as they were back in the 16th century, that the church lives for the glory of God alone, and God gets the glory for our salvation. Everything happens within a context, and so historically speaking, the Reformation is right on the heels of the Renaissance, and the Renaissance had distinguishing marks or characteristics to it, and one of those, two of those, one was humanism, um, which was in some ways going back to the the original sources, but it also com- had a component to it that um, created a man-centeredness to their thought process. And it also created a, a strong emphasis on the individual and the, the, the genius and greatness of the individual and glorying in what people, men, could do um, and so you had all the 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 giants, artistic giants of the refer- or the Renaissance that, um, in essence, then trickled into the church, mm-hmm. um, doing all of the artwork or or the the sculpting or whatever it might be for these churches. And what happened was there was a rhetoric of we do things for the glory of God was the official line. Mm-hmm. But the underlying premise was, no, it's really about people. And so part of this sola dea gloria was, no, we, we really do believe it's all for the glory of God alone. That's not a slogan. That has to be a reality. So we read God's word. We want God's word to be out in the hands of, of the laity because that is what puts God on display. The Word of God reveals the the frailty, the sinfulness, the the hopelessness of man outside of a sovereign work of God and salvation. So it's not about glorying in man because man is lost, man is is helpless, but God is not. And so we that's really where all of these other solas are driving to that it, it really has to be glorying in God alone because without God. We aren't geniuses. We aren't great. We're helpless sinners. And even God must do all things for his own glory. And this is over and over again in the scripture. One of the most famous places is in Isaiah 48. He's talking about the reason why he's not going to completely destroy Judah. He's going to spare them through the captivity. He says in verse 9, For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do it. Meaning, I'm doing it for my glory. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So this this idea of being God-centered, it, it's not some... It didn't originate in the Reformation. It originated in the heart of God because God must be God-centered. He must place himself at the center of all of his motives, all of his actions, all of his words. And we know this. I mean, one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23, um, it says, you know, um, that he leads us in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. So even when we're being sanctified and made more holy in the Christian life, it's ultimately for the glory of God. And this is sprinkled all throughout the Scripture. All throughout the Scripture. In fact, one of those great um, praise statements that you find even in uh, Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's it's a it's a it's a great chorus. It's a great doxological statement that we find, as you say, it's sprinkled all through the scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also sprinkled throughout all all of scripture is the tendency of of man yep. to be glory thieves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it starts with Satan, and then goes into Adam and Eve, and then to Adam and Eve's all of their posterity. Yeah. That we desire to take glory that is not ours um, and and claim it as our own. And so this is part of the the application still today um, that one of the correctives of the Reformation is to say, okay, what's in my heart? Yeah. How much of, of glory seeking am I doing in my in my day-to-day life? Um, how much do I need to to confess that and let go of that and say, no, I really want God to transform me. What are my motives? What are my motives? I mean, just I, we're going to talk about the election next week, but even in the election, am I voting in such a way because my highest motive is that God would be glorified in the way that I vote? And I think that's foreign to so many of us. Mm-hmm. You mean I should be thinking about God's glory when I do things like voting? Yeah, or eating or sleeping or anything else you do. <laughs> Whatever you do. Another another place in Scripture uh, where uh, and the the Apostle Paul does this in a, n- a number of places in Scripture where he just busts out with <coughs> praise for the glory of God. Uh, in First Timothy, he briefly tells his story of his conversion, mm-hmm. um, but it's not you know um, where there's a there's a, a common phrase that gets used a lot today. You know, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's that's the Apostle Paul, in, you know, in First Timothy, the first chapter, um, he says, you know, I was formerly uh, a, a, a you know, well. Let me back up. He appointed me uh, to his service, even though formerly I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the, and, and brought him to faith in Christ. But he can't tell his story without getting, when he gets to the end of, of giving his testimony, telling his story, and he calls himself the chief of sinners, but he ends it to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's, you know, maybe someone's listening. I, I did a job one time uh, before I became a pastor. I was a tile setter. And me and my friend, um, you know who he is, Jonathan. I won't, I won't name his name on the air. But we were setting tile, and we were talking about the glory of God. We were down on our knees, scraping this floor. And this contractor was listening to us talk about the glory of God. And he, he was raised a Lutheran. And the next day, he came to me with all earnestness in his face. And he said, Josh... How do you work for the glory of God? I mean, it was something he had never even heard before. It was mm. so foreign to him. 
And um, I think a lot of people probably struggle with, well, how do you do these things for the glory of God? And maybe we can just talk about that in the remaining time. I would just offer one thing, that you you work as unto the Lord, not as to men. So you're working diligently and earnestly and and not cheating your employer and, and giving God thanks throughout the whole day that you can work. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was one of the uh, reforms that came out of the Reformation, uh, prior prior to the Reformation, the, the the Roman Church had this division of people that there were super Christians. You know, if you were a monk or a nun uh, or you, you were a priest, um, you were like a, a super Christian. And then there was the ordinary laity out there that were just not really expected to. They were they were on a lower lower level. And one of the things that, that Luther did, one of the emphases of, of Luther was restoring the biblical doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, that all of us are called to uh, be priests, to, to be ministers of the gospel. And Luther restored the idea that every, any worthy vocation is a calling from God regardless of, of, of what what job you had, what you, in, in any worthy job or occupation can yeah. be your calling from God. Exactly. He, he, Luther was asked, what does a Christian do? He says, a Christian, what should a Christian do? He said, if he's a cobbler, then make a quality shoe for a, a fair price and sell it at a fair price. He, isn't, he doesn't put crosses on his shoes. He makes good shoes to the glory of God. He says, the same is true for the shoemaker, the tailor, the scribe, or the reader. If he's a Christian tailor, he will say, I make these clothes because God has bidden me to do so, so that I can earn a living, so that I can help and serve my neighbor. It, it's all done to the glory of God. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 